Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. The historian Josephus, he writes that there was a group of people. Now, now pay attention because there was a group of people back in Jesus' day called the Essenes. The Essenes. Okay, Josephus writes about them. They're not found in Scripture, but the Essenes or Esoni in in the Jewish way to say it, were a Jewish religious sect that existed really alongside the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So you had the Pharisees and you, we talked all about them. We had the Sadducees. Um, you had the Herodians. You had the scribes. But there was a group called the Essenes. The Essenes. And the Essenes were just really, I mean, when you think about that, these guys lived lives that were just of separation, of piety, of celibacy. They observed the Sabbath. They actually shunned personal property. They're like, "Mm." and they did not even use money. The Essenes are not mentioned in Scripture, unlike the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who who really figure prominently in the Gospels. But here's what you need to know. The Essenes, this group that I'm talking about, well, they believe that the Messiah, the Meshach, if you will, would come from within the group of the Essenes. And some even say that John the Baptist was an Essene. Although John the Baptist actually preached Yahshua, Jesus, as the Messiah. So Jesus is preaching outside. Well, he's not coming from the Essenes, but that's what they would do. So you have this religious group. You have this, we're shunning evil. We're not going to talk to people. We're not, we're going to hang out in our little holy huddles. And this is what we're going to do. Now, the reason I tell you about them is very, very simple. When they would read, remember when Jesus ascended and the angel said, hey, what are you looking? The same Jesus that left is going to come back. Before even Paul wrote in Thessalonians, the rapturus, the harpazo, they were ready for the Lord to come back. They thought he was going to make just a quick return to heaven and then come back to earth. So here's what they would do. Many of them would retreat up into the mountains all with just basic essentials they had just food and they withdrew from society and they waited with their with a little bag in hand for the lord to come back that's what the essenes would do that's what they're noted to do now again i can relate I can relate. You see, it was just this past week to celebrate my birthday, my best friend, my childhood best friend, the one who actually introduced me to the Lord, him and I decided we always take a fishing trip every year. And my fishing trip started on Sunday after church when I drove to uh, to, to pick him up. And then in, in Monday morning, we drove to northern New Mexico, where it's beautiful mountains, trees, crisp air, water, fish. There's a lot of fish. It was beautiful. And I remember sitting one morning, 55 degrees, and I'm like with my coffee going, Lord, you could come back right now. This would be really good. This would be fun. I remember just thinking, wow, wow. 
So I can relate, because most of us want to do that. We want to go, listen, I'm saved. I'm ready to just go and just wait for the Lord. Now, some of you might go, well, I don't like mountains. Some of you might go, hey, I'll do this at the beach. Just give me a, give me a cup of coffee in the beach, and I'm ready for the Lord to come back. So we can relate to what the Essenes were doing. Yet, the problem is, is that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, told us in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, he said, so he called the ten of his servants, delivered them ten minas, and he said to them, notice what he says, occupy till I come. In other words, he says, do business till I come. So we're commanded to occupy. You go, what does that mean? Well, if you have a pencil handy, here's what he's saying. We're commanded to do business, okay, to do ministry. I wish that we could sit here and go, okay, guys, we're saved. You're saved. I'm saved. We're saved. Let's just gather together. Let's gather our belongings. We'll all just get food, and we'll just wait for the Lord. He must be coming back anytime soon. But that's not what the Lord wants us to do. You see, the Lord says, I want you to do business. I want you to do business, and I want you to do it as we wait for the Lord to come back. We are not as awesome as it seems to retreat from society, from family, from friends, to a desolate place to wait for the Lord to come back. You go, what are we supposed to do? Well, if you're taking note, here's what I want you to write down. We are called, you ready? To depopulate hell and populate heaven. Come on, somebody. We're called to depopulate hell and populate heaven. And you go, how? How? By doing ministry. By doing ministry. You go, hey, time out, Pastor Ben. Time out. Hold the phone. Um, you're the pastor. You do ministry. No, 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 no. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. You see, the Bible says that the pastor, the minister, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And whether you realize it or not, we're all called into the ministry. We have to do ministry. We're called into it. And you go, okay, 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 calm down, calm down. So he's telling us, every one of us is called to depopulate hell and populate heaven. How so? By doing our Father's business until he comes for us. Until he comes for us. Guys, you remember the story of Jesus when he was 12 years old? Do you guys remember that story? I mean, what a great illustration that is, right? It was the Passover. Now, you got to remember, when they all went to the Passover, it wasn't just like, party of four, we're going to the Passover. It was like a group this size in church going up to Jerusalem. And the cousins were all over the place, hanging out, laughing and joking, and aunts and uncles and all this stuff was moving forward. And so you're just walking. You're just walking up to the Passover. And so they come up to the Passover... And when it was over, Mary and Joseph, they thought Jesus was hanging out with one of their cousins. They thought they were over here going, oh, he's with them. And so this group was, and, and here's what the Bible says. Listen, listen, here's what the Bible says. But supposing him, this is Luke 2, 44, 
But supposing him to have been with the company went a day's journey and sought him among the relatives. And they already, they left for a day. They walked for a day. Where's Jesus? Oh, he's, he's with his cousins. He's, he's hanging out over there. He's probably fooling around with John the Baptist. I don't know. He's, he wasn't the Baptist. Then, but he's just John. He's hanging with John. You know, and they're goofing off. That's what kids do. Because John would be 12 and a, come on somebody. Twelve and a half. Remember, he's six months older. But then it says, they go looking for him. And when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking him questions. Now, I have to just roll it in just a little bit. Notice with me, and I'll ask, uh, I'll ask Josh to put it back on the screen. Notice with me in verse 45. I find some interesting stuff. So where's Jesus? Jesus is about his father's business, right? Look at verse 45. But when they had the accompanied us, they sought among their relatives. And, and again, here's what I love. I love the fact that they're seeking Jesus. They're looking for him. And here's what I wrote. I still think it's wise to seek the Lord. I think it's still wise to seek the Lord both for salvation and for guidance. You see, if you're here in church today and somebody invited you, it's, you're here for a reason. And I would encourage you to seek the Lord for salvation. Am I saved? Am I saved? If you're here today and you're and you've been serving the Lord, and you've been walking with him, I think it's important to seek the Lord for guidance. Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, we're, you and I are faced with tasks every single day that we got to live with. We're, t- we're faced with tasks of where I should go to school, what I should do, who should I should marry, what should I do here, what's my next step, should I buy a house, should I, should I do this, should I do this, should I do this, and it's so important to seek the Lord and ask for guidance. I think it's so important. It's very wise for you to seek the Lord. Sometimes you and I, we just simply go, we just simply go, oh, well, I'll just do it. I'm fine. I can do this. But it's important that we seek the Lord. Second point I want to make. It took three days to find Jesus. It took three days. I wonder why. Where were they looking? Would he not be? About his father's bed. Well, no, it's just Jesus. Where is he? I mean, but you got to remember, in the Passover, it was crowded. There were people everywhere. And I'm sure it was like, oh, is that him? And, and they're pulling kids away and everything. But, but the reference I thought was, wasn't this a vague re- reference to, wasn't this a, re- a, a vague reference to um, the resurrection, the death, burial, and the resurrection? Why? Because it was three days after Right? That Jesus came back to life. Three days. Took three days to find him. Where is he? I don't know. And then three days later, here I am. Now, you go, well, Ben, that's silly because here's the thing. Everybody knew where Jesus was. He was in the tomb. But, it wasn't, but he wasn't alive, was he? And he came back and he's like, here I am. Here I am. But here's the point I want to make. You ready? If you're taking note, jot this down. Jesus 
was about his father's business. And that's the point. Our lesson today is the same thing. We should be about our father's business. Now, can I say this to you very lovingly? Okay, very, as much love as I can muster. In our lives, nothing should be more important than our relationship with God. It, it, I don't know how much... Our jobs, our jobs should not take that place in our heart. God should. The last time I went to northern New Mexico, the last time I went where I was, my youngest daughter was 11 months old. Okay? My youngest daughter. That was 30 plus years ago. And I'll never forget... The same place, I took my family, Talia was three, Miranda was 11 months, and we went out there and we, we did the same thing and we had a blast. But can I tell you how stressed I was as a young man about my job? About, oh, what's going on in my job? I don't have that same job today. And I look back and I think, why were you so stressed? Why didn't you enjoy and absorb every moment? Well, I'll tell you why. Because God wasn't my everything at that point. And so, through the years, my encouragement to you is God has to be your everything. Okay? God has to be your everything. Jobs will come and go. Jobs will come and Come on, somebody. The, the, the career you think, I'm going to be in this forever, it'll come and go. Sports for your kids. I'm going to step on some toes. Sports for your kids will come and go. I heard a statistic said there's a 1% chance your kid will make it to the NBA or NFL or anything else. But there's a 100% chance he's going to stand before God. You go, well, Ben, my kid should. No, 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 calm down. Everybody breathe. All I'm saying is Jesus needs to be a priority in your life, first and foremost. That's how it is to be about our Father's business. And, and, and I could say it a little bit different. Let me say it like this. Ben, what should we be doing while we're here sick and while we're homesick? You see, because I know a lot of us are homesick. I want to go home. But while we're, while, while we're waiting to go home, we're here sick. You go, what do you mean? Well, we read the news. We, we, we watch what's going on. The world is falling apart. You know what? They're targeting our kids. Our third graders. Who's they? The enemy has been targeting for years upon years to destroy the family unit. The enemy has been targeting for years to destroy marriages. And he's done a good job. And it's, it's time we go, no, 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 no. Listen, I realize we're here sick, but it's time to step back up. It's time that the church wakes up. Wouldn't you agree? We have to not just go, well, you see, a lot of us live with fatalistic theology. You go, what's fatalistic theology? We sit back and we go, God's going to do whatever he's going to do, so. As long as I'm saved. 
Well, we can't have the Hezekiah effect, you know. We can't just go, well, as long as I'm saved, my kids and my... No, he's telling us, we, we have to do ministry. We have to do ministry while, while we wait. Church, listen, I want every one of you to get to heaven wounded. Wait, what? Fighting down here. Wound, yeah, exhausted for the cause of the Lord. I don't, as much as I love it, I don't want to get to heaven in my lazy boy recliner. You know what I'm saying? We got to fight. There's people we need to win for the Lord. There's, 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 There's prayer that we need to be on our knees praying and seeking God and crying out to him and, 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 and telling others about the goodness of God. This is, this is what we need to be doing. This is what he wants us to be doing. What are you doing while you're homesick and here sick? What are you doing? Well, that's what he's going to say. Now, remember, tying in last week, the Lord taught us that we need to watch and be ready. Watch and be ready because we don't know when the Lord Jesus is coming back for his church. Now, let me say this. There's a group of people that says the Lord's going to come back on the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets is coming up in about three weeks. You know what I say? Amen. Let's go. Let's go. You go, well, Ben, I don't know if I believe that. Okay. But he might come back today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I'll tell you what makes my heart sick. There's a lot of people who are not ready. Right now, the Lord is putting in your heart somebody that you go, he's not, they're not ready. I don't know if they're saved. And you've been praying for them. You've been witnessing to them. You've been sharing with them. The Lord is putting in your heart that one person you go, man. And you're actually saying, Lord, don't come back until my is saved. That's love. That's love. But here's what I do know. The Lord is coming back, and it's going to be sooner than later. Wouldn't you agree? Sooner than later. Now, last week we talked about ten virgins, five being wise and five being foolish. The five foolish didn't have oil in their lamps, which blows my mind because they trimmed their wick, but they didn't have enough oil to, to, to follow the bridegroom. What were they? Oh, wait a minute. It sounds like they were playing church. It sounds like they were attending church, but they really didn't have a relationship with the Lord. You see, the oil represents the Holy Spirit as we're filled and we're walking in Him. And can I say this to you, church? It's not always easy. Christianity wasn't meant to be easy. It's not. You know what Christianity is? You know what the gospel is? I bid you to come and die. I bid you to come and die. That's what the gospel is. You have to die to self. You have to die to all, all the thing, all, all the aspirations I want. You have to come and submit yourself to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. Do with me whatever you want. I'm yours. That's what, that's what the gospel is. And so, and so men, 
being as frail as it is, we take it and we go, oh, well, I don't really like that part. Let's, let's change it a little bit and let's make the gospel just more palatable, okay? Let's make the gospel where it's just easy. And we'll gather around and we'll hold hands and we'll sing Kumbaya. And that's the gospel, amen. And then we'll be happy and we'll go to somebody's house and we'll eat barbecue. That's not the gospel. The gospel is saying, I bid you to come and lay down your life. Your life. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Paul, the apostle Paul? Can you imagine? There he is, Saul, bright light, changes everything, blind for three days, and then the Lord comes and says, hey, um, Paul, I'm going to tell you how much you're going to suffer for my sake. Can you imagine Paul? Lord, I have a question. (laughs) Yes, Paul. Thank you. Why? I didn't ask to be. You know what Paul said? Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Why, church? Why? Listen, listen. Because his love for Jesus was more than his love for himself. And that's where we got to be. That's discipleship. Discipleship is saying, my love for God is more than my love for myself. And the thing that bothers me the most is we're so selfish, aren't we? I'm so stinking selfish. Oh! And I have to crucify the flesh and say, God, you got to be number one. You got to be my everything. I have to give you. You go, well, aren't you the pastor? Yeah. So I know it's a struggle. I know it's a struggle for all of us. Paul tells us to crucify the flesh. Let's crucify this thing. So Jesus warns us last week, hey, watch and be ready. Don't be asleep. Don't be found asleep. Don't be found asleep. I know what that's like a little bit, because this morning my alarm went off at 6, and I just telling the Lord, five more minutes. Five more minutes. And how come five more minutes when you're awake seems like forever, but when you're asleep it goes by like this? And he's saying, don't be asleep. Don't be asleep. So, pastor, question, what should we do while we wait for the Lord to come back? Well, like the illustration we saw last week, this parable today focuses on the theme of the responsibility of in the master's absence. What are we to do, really simple, when, while we wait for the Lord? What are we supposed to do? Good question. And that's where we pick up our study. Jesus is speaking, notice in verse 14. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for man because it's a strong reference to Jesus. And he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man. And so you know, we know this is Jesus. It represents. And what did Jesus do? Do you remember he said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. So he went away. He went away. And he says, while he was, before he left, he called his own servants. And he said, hey, here's some goods to them. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that word for servants. You go, why? Because I want you to write next to it this way. I want you to say it's pertaining to a state. This is what it means of being completely controlled by someone or something. That's what being a servant means. That's not the biblical definition. I'll give you that in just a moment. But a servant, everybody say servant, is 
is this. It's, it's, it's a state, it's per- pertaining to a state of being completely controlled by someone or something. And here's the point. As you and I seek to move from, from where we are to being fully devoted follower of God, these are disciples, these are servants, we must first understand the nature of who we are in Christ. You go, what does that mean? Well, the biblical definition for servant is a doulos, a doulos. And that means no rights. It means a slave. It means you have no rights. You have no rights. A lot of us walk in this life thinking, well, I have the right to do this, and I have the right to park here, and I have the right to go in here. And, and, uh, but, but a servant of God says, Lord, I don't, I don't have any rights. I belong to you. I belong to you. The very first thing we need, listen to me, church, is a servant's heart. Is a servant's heart. Having a servant's heart means to not only put another, another's need ahead of your own, but to serve with the right motivation. Oh, I got quiet in here. Does that make sense? You go, what do you mean? You see, to have a servant's heart goes, man, I, I need to put others above me. I need to serve them. But we also need to do it with the right motivation. If we have the wrong motivation, right? What? What's the wrong motivation? Well, I'm a servant. And, um, man, I want the elders of Calvary to see me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I don't know, let's see. I think they meet. I'm going to sweep the parking lot. And so you're trying to sweep the parking lot when you think the elders of the church are looking at you. Well, you're serving but you have the wrong motivation. You want God to see you. Or you come out of the restroom going, all right, I cleaned the restroom. Everybody, everybody, yeah. you got a clean toilet in there because of me. Were you serving God? Or are you serving men? I have to have the right, see, a servant's heart has the right motivation. A servant's heart doesn't look for the pat on the back. Oh, pastor, that was a great sermon. You think so? Tell me more. Well, I really liked what you said. Amen. It's the wrong motivation, is it not? You see, when people come and serve and clean the church, nobody knows about it. It's not broadcasted. We could put it on, we could put it on Facebook and say, hey, thank you, these servants. And, and then there's their reward. There's their reward. There it is. People give you a like and a thumb up and now here you go and that's your reward. That's your reward. No, 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 no. You see, a servant's heart, church, a servant's heart is to put the needs of others before our own and to do it with the right motivation. And that's to put God's will first. Rewards, recognition, or even gratitude cannot be the motivation to live out a true servanthood the way Jesus did. You go, what's the second thing? The second thing is we need to live out our servanthood. You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. Here it is, ready? True leadership, servanthood, and the greatest leader of all time is Jesus Christ, okay? Now listen, servanthood is an attitude exemplified by Christ, He's the one. He 
So not only do we have to have a, ser- a servant's heart, we need to follow the example of Jesus. Remember what he said, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equal equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. This is the Lord. This is, so it's, can you imagine? Well, I'm not a servant. I'm not a servant. Really? The Lord was a servant. <laughs> he followed his example. Oh, Lord, give me a servant's heart. You know, you know, let me just say this, okay? I've said it before. Now, let me just say this. Every one of us wants to be a servant. Come on, somebody. Amen. Until we're treated like one. That should be a bigger amen. Until we're treated like one, right? It's amazing how our pride gets in the way when we're treated like a servant. Well, I can't believe this, and why would they treat me this way? Don't they know who I am? No. You're a servant. You got a servant's heart. What's your motivation? I love God. When somebody asks you to do something here, and you go, now, thank you. You go, don't thank me. I love God. I love God. So we clean the church. I love God. We vacuum, we do, we do ministry. What are we doing? I love God. I love God. Why do you do this? I love God. That should always be our answer. I love God. Well, I think you're pretty okay too, Pastor, but I love God. I think our church is all right. I love God. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. I think about my friend Soph and Yvonne. I think about them. For 19 years, they've been, they've been here faithfully. 19 years. That's the Lord, because they love God. You understand that? You understand that? They love God. And they're not serving man, they're serving God. That should be our attitude. That should be our attitude, to serve others. You see, all believers are called into ministry, and therefore, we're called to be servants to the glory of God. Living is giving. We need to give of ourselves. So I find it interesting is he talks about servants, but then it segues into what he wants to teach us. Okay, you go, what does he want to teach us? Well, let me give you a brief synopsis, right? Then this parable, it's a parable on faithfulness, on faithfulness, okay? Jesus told the story of a master with three servants. The master went on a journey and he gave specific amount of money Talents, if you will. Talents were silver, okay? We know that um, it's uh, Argorion is what the name of it is, and it means silver money. So whenever you see that, it's silver money, okay? But the parable deals with service, the faithfulness in service. What should we be doing while we wait for the Lord? What should we be doing, church? We should be doing ministry. Now, if you are a mom at home, And you're going, I'm trying to raise four kids. That's ministry. You raise them up into the glory of the Lord. But a lot of people go, well, pastor, I can't serve at the church because I've got you still doing ministry. But if you can serve at the church and do ministry, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And this is what he's talking about. Now, here's what I want you to jot down. He's going to use the word talents. We see that in the original is money. Everybody got that? 
But he's also going to use abilities in verse 15. Abilities. Now, here's what we need to understand. In order to understand the parable, okay, here's what we need to do. Um, Talents represent opportunities to use our abilities to serve Christ. Okay, you've got to grasp that so when you understand that. Because if you don't, you'll look at this and go, I don't have any money anyway. How am I supposed to make money for God? I'm just a kid. I don't have any money. No, no, no. Talents are, they represent opportunities to use our ability. Now, here's the one thing you need to know. Every one of us has wonderful gifts, talents, and abilities to use for the Lord. Are we using them? You go, Pastor, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a stay-at-home grandma. You know what? We need those. Those are the ones who pray on our behalf. Everybody's in ministry, in a different kind of ministry. Your talent, what opportunity do you have? Well, he's going to give us opportunities. See, we're all born with various abilities, but Christ is going to give us opportunities to exercise those abilities. Let me say this. You ready? The important thing is that you are to be faithful to do them. You're faithful to do them. Look at verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately went on a journey. Now again, think about this. He, he's, there's three servants, and he says, here's five, because he realized the ability of somebody. Okay? Let's talk abilities. Let's talk about gifts for just a minute. The Lord Jesus has given me by his grace, the gift of teaching and the gift of evangelism. I get that. But one of the things the Lord didn't give me was just a resounding gift of counseling. You understand that. I can counsel, but it's, it's not an area that I'm gifted in. But he's given some of you an amazing gift to counsel. Where I would become frustrated and, and anxious, you're gracious and you listen and you smile and you love, and I love that. Why? Because that's what the body of Christ is all about. Some of you, he's given you the gift of administration. You know how to organize things and put it into place. Some of you, he's, he's given you just a wonderful gift of helps. Well, I don't want to do anything, but I can help. Oh, move that over here. You got it. Boom. You, you, you understand that. So, so to every one of us, he says, okay. Now, some of us, he, he, he made us introverts. How many of you have introverts in here? How many introverts? Yeah. We sit back and we just watch people. Okay. Some of you, he made extroverts. Any extroverts? Yeah. You guys, you're the ones that are always, come back, reel you back in. Go on, because you're always talking. There is, not, there is not a single friend in the whole Lubbock, Texas, that my wife won't be friends with. 
And I'm like, we got to go. Oh, and she talks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm pulling her, and she's going like this. I love it. I love it. Why? Because I'm completely opposite. You go, but you're the pastor. I had to learn. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you when I say I had to learn to be able to just. You see, it's a love for people. But for the most part, I can sit back and I can just watch people. Oh, look at that. That's funny. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So God gave us this. But, but in the body of Christ, come on, let's be honest. Sometimes he made us a mouthpiece. Sometimes he made you a toe. You know, we can't walk without toes, right? It's amazing. So what are we supposed to do? Well, let's see what happens. Verse 16. Then he who received the five talents went and traded with them, and he made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, here we have a tale of three servants. You go, what are they? These were people that were given wonderful opportunities in service to the Lord. Everybody got that? Yet, not all were faithful and not all were wise. What do you mean? One of them simply buried the Lord's talent in the ground. Simply buried the Lord's talent. Now, the Lord Jesus gave each one of us wonderful opportunities to share, to pray, to minister, to love, and to give. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that you have not buried that talent, that opportunity in the sand. That you're just, you're just, right. Well, what happens is look at verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And so he who had received five talents came and he brought five five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Right? So, can you picture the scene? Here comes a five. He goes, Here's five. I I got five more. He's like, Wow, good job. You were faithful over the little things. Man, come on in. And isn't that what we want to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, here's the reward. You were faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now look at verse 22. He who went and received two talents, what are talents? Opportunities. And came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And the Lord said, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So now you have someone who had five, doubled it to five. You had someone who had two, doubled it to two, only four. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing. Pastor Ben, you, there's, there's pastors who have mega churches. Thousands of people all over. The pastor needs to remain faithful. And sometimes you have a smaller church, and the pastor has to remain faithful. It's, 
Because look, think about this. The second one came and he was faithful. He was faithful with what he had. The gifts and abilities and talents you have, be faithful with them. Why? Well, here's what I want you to, I want you to see. How many talents did he have? How many did he give? Get more? But look, he got the same reward. He got the same reward. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many things. Wow. Now, before we move on, guys, can I draw your attention to something? It doesn't show us the effort that was put in to do the work. You see, the first servant didn't come and go, Oh, Lord, you won't believe what I had to do to get these five talents. You wouldn't believe. Oh, my goodness. I was up 24-7. I was worried about this. Oh, my goodness. Neither did the second servant who had two. He didn't go, oh, my goodness. Getting two servants was the hardest thing I've ever did. Why? Why? Because, listen, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, like, like in the oil, like we talked about the oil in the lamps, and you're walking with God. You know, something natural happens. It's just, a ba- it's just a natural byproduct. You share, right? It's just, that's what you do. And so what happens is Sunday morning comes in and goes, hey, did you see college football last night? It was crazy. And all of a sudden you start going, yeah, that was so cool. But you know what I noticed? And then all of a sudden you bring it back to the Lord. Why? It's not something you do on purpose. It's just natural. And it just oozes out of you. And it's the same way. And that's what I think about these servants. You go, what? What What do you think about these servants? I draw your attention that their only job was to be filled with God's Spirit. Just to be filled and go, Lord, I love you. And then he presents an opportunity. And there you are at the grocery store. Beep! 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 Right? And you look up and you go, how's your day going? And, and the cashier starts crying. And she's like, oh my gosh, I just lost it. And you go, hold on. Let me pray with you real quick. And you minister to them. And you say, hey, 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 what time you go on break? Let, let's, let's talk. You need to talk? Well, pastor, I can't do that. I've got places to go, people to see. Uh! Wow. Let me ask you a question, church. What would our church look like if we said, we're going to put others first? We're not going to always be in such a rush. And we're going to be sensitive to his spirit so that we can occupy till he comes. What would that look like? I can tell you, if we did that with a right motive, every chair in this building would be filled. Because people want to feel loved and they want to be appreciated and they want to be cared for. And that's, that's us representing the Lord. It's like, hey, hey, hold on. You okay? There's another checker over there. She, she needs me right now. All it is, right? What's our go-to? What's our go-to? How you doing? Pretty good. Okay. And we just keep going, right? That's our go-to. How you doing? If you ask somebody how they're doing, what do you say? Pretty good. How you doing? All right. I'm okay. Ask him again. How you really doing? You okay? 
And they'll sense that you really care. And they'll be like, well, to be honest with you, I'm really struggling. I could use some prayer right now. Guys, that's what the Lord's called us to. That's what he's called us individually. That's why we're Christians. You see, Christian means Christ-like. And in the book of 1 John, it says that, that we're supposed to walk like Jesus walked. How cool would that be if people were, were mistaking us for Jesus? Oh, wow, that was, that's, that's what, right? We, we, we got the bracelets, WWJD. That was a 90s thing, but you know what I'm talking about. What would Jesus do? Well, let's do what Jesus would do. This is, this is, what, this is what he's saying. But then we have one servant. Look at verse 24. Then he, had, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Your attention, please. I wonder why, where this man got this. He comes and he calls him Lord and then says, I knew you to be a hard man. And I wonder where he thought this. You see, because the reference, he says, reaping where you have not sown and gathering means he was the Lord of everything. And so he understood that. But I just started thinking about this, and I started thinking, sometimes when we're not taught the word of God, we can formulate weird things about God. Would you agree? If we're not taught fully, then all of a sudden we start formulating weird things and go, well, Lord, I, I knew you to be a, oh, but that's not true. And he says, and I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent on the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would receive back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken will be taken. Do you see something very interesting right here? He refused the reward. How? By not using the opportunity Christ had given him. Christ represents the servants, repeats the servant's unjust accusation. But you notice he didn't say it was true. He just repeated it. And he says, therefore, if these things are true, if, if these things are true, then at least you should have what? Taken it to the bank. I could have gained some interest. Why'd you, why'd you hide it on the ground? Why'd you hide it in the ground? The principle is given here in verse 29. You go, what's that? Too much is given, much shall be required. If we fail to use what God gives us, we're going to lose it to another. We're going to lose it to another. Now, let's close. We're going to close with this last verse. Don't close your Bibles, though. I don't want to hear any zip, 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 you know, closing up. We, we still got one more verse. 
Verse 30, the Lord says, And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Isn't that harsh? Wow. Now, this is a troublesome verse. This is a troublesome verse. You go, how so? Well, we're seeing that the, 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 last, the last servant, the lazy, wicked servant, is thrown into utter darkness. And you go, well, Ben, what's the possibility? Well, because we're a Bible-teaching church, let me go ahead and give you the possibilities, okay? I'm going to give you different viewpoints, and then I'll tell you where I stand at the end, okay? Number one, some say this proves that while you can't lose your salvation because no one can take you out of the Lord's hand, it doesn't say in Scripture that you can't choose to leave it. That's a viewpoint. You, it doesn't say you can't walk away and be like, I'm, no, I'm not going to serve the Lord at all. Now, Ben, let me ask you a question. Once somebody knows God and sees the glory, they'd never leave, right? Well, I guess we'd have to ask the fallen angels. Because they saw the glory. Just a viewpoint, okay? Now, let me make this clear. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. I don't believe that. Because nobody can snatch you out of the Lord's hand. But the Bible doesn't say that we can't leave. And that's one possibility. The second possibility, some say that the servant really uh, never really was saved. You've heard that before. Well, they were really never saved and they were acting. But the Lord calls him a servant. And some say, well, he was just using the analogy here uh, as an example. True, true. Some come and say, well, no, 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 Ben, listen, the outer darkness is really eternal separation from God. It's not that. It's simply uh, the unfaithful Christian is going to be left behind when the rapture comes, and now they have to go through the great tribulation as the consequences of being unfaithful. Some people say that. I don't. Personally, I don't like any of these options. Why? Well, let me tell you what I believe, okay? And here's what I want to encourage you guys with. As long as you stay filled with the oil and abide in Christ, this is a non-essential right here. You, you understand that, right? right? This is a non-issue. It's a non-issue. Why? As long as you're filled and abide, you don't have to worry about being that. You're like, wow. Wow. See, the only person that has to worry about whether someone can leave their connection to God or whether God is going to put them through something like the Great Tribulation, the only person to worry about that is the person that's not where they need to be. And I think in that case, a little bit of healthy fear is a good thing, don't you? The only person biting their nails is like, I'm not sure where I am! Well then... Today, fill your oil. Fill your oil. You don't have to worry about that. I'm not worried about the third servant. You know what I want to be? I want to be the first servant. God, what, are you, what have you given me? Help me to see opportunities. Help me to share Christ. Help me to continue. So in essence, church, really, let's not be like the Essenes. Let's do ministry. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you work full-time, 
whatever God has for you, do ministry. Do ministry. Abide in him. Make him a priority. Today, say, Lord, you're the priority. Everything else in my life is secondary. You know, Ben, I can't do that because of my marriage. No, listen to me. If you're a husband and you're a wife and you both have a priority of Jesus, guess what? You guys are going to actually grow closer together than farther apart. Jesus, our God, has to be a priority. Yeah, Pastor, but you know what? Listen, my job offered me 25 more cents an hour. If I could work Sundays, God has to be a priority. God has to be a priority. And then we have to trust him that he's going to work it out. We have to trust him. You see, time is short, church. And all we want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what we want to hear. Can I get an amen? Amen. If the ushers will come forward, let's prepare our hearts for communion. Here's what we're going to do, church. Listen to me. At Calvary Chapel, we have open communion, which means all you have to do is be a believer. If you're not a believer here today, listen to me first. I want to give you an opportunity. Okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. You go, an opportunity to what? To open up your heart and invite Christ inside. You mean if I get saved today, I can take communion? Absolutely. But we have open communion, which means you just need to be a believer. If you have bitterness in your heart or you're struggling with something or there's sin in your life, you can confess it right now. You can say, Lord, forgive me. And you can still receive and partake. As we pass out the elements as they come to, and um, let me just remind you that this is a, various, a very serious as well as a celebration. First and foremost, go ahead, guys. First and foremost... The Bible tells us not to partake in an unworthy manner. So if you're not saved and God is knocking on your heart to be saved, you can do that today. You go, Ben, what do I have to do? Well, listen to the Lord first and foremost. If he's knocking on your heart, it's time to get right with him. If you would like to be saved this morning, if you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus, if you'd like to say yes to him, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. With every eye closed, if you will, and head bowed while you're praying, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me real quick? I'm not right with God, but I want to be. And Pastor, you were saying some things in the sermon, and, and man, I was just, it was just hitting me hard, and I was like, I'm not right. 
If that's you today, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to God today. I don't want to be left behind. I want to, be, I want to serve him. I want to do ministry. Would you do that right now? Just do that. It's between you and the Lord. We're going to partake together when the elements are passed out. So just hold on to them. Just hold on to them. We're going to take as a family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. While you have the elements in your hand, may I encourage you to look within your hearts. Look deep. If there's something that you have to confess, confess between, Lord, Jesus, forgive me. Lord, I have been a booger this week, or God, I'm sorry for my attitude. Confess it to him. He stands with his arms open wide, ready to forgive. But you must be willing. We're going to partake together in just a moment. If you have the elements in your hand, let me remind you, again, to confess your sin, whatever it might be. But also, let me encourage you to look back. Look back and and thank the Lord for all that he's done. Thank the Lord for all that he's done in our lives. Think about the blessings, even in the hard times. You think how faithful God is. And then last but not least, guys, let's look forward to all that God is going to do. Let's look forward. And you realize that when Jesus was on the earth, he said, I'm not going to do this again until I do it with you in heaven. And the fact that we have, we're doing it here means we're not in heaven yet. You understand that. But one day, guys, we're not going to take it here on earth. We're going to take it with him in heaven. And so we lift up the elements and we say, one day in heaven, Lord, one day. So let's do this. Heavenly Father, we come and we thank you for communion. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. 
We thank you for the broken body. We thank you, Lord, that you're our God. And we do this in celebration. Lord, by doing this, we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And we know you're coming back. So right now, we wait. And while we wait, we'll, do all, we'll be about our Father's business. You've encouraged us. You've exhorted us. And so, Lord, as we take communion, it's a celebration. We're excited for what you're going to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the bread together. When supper was ended, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me and it's the remission of sins. Let's take it together. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Let's worship God. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.